Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Well, hashtag healthy you, wealthy you. I hope hope you've had a healthy, healthy uh, week that's just passed, especially that we had a long weekend. Um, I certainly did had a lot of natural vitamin D with a lot of sun. It was absolutely marvelous. How was your weekend, Faggy? Absolutely fantastic. Couldn't have needed it, especially after a hectic Purim. And uh, so good to have like a nice relaxing weekend. Thank you. Yes. The only, the only part with an aftermath of Purim is that I know from my grandkids, they brought Purim and it lasted another four days with a Mishloch Manot and all the sweets and preservatives and additives. <laughs> so that, I tried that, to tell my son that we should take all the sweets to the beggars on the street. He said it's not such a good idea because they can't brush their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> Great but, argument. We're going to have a very exciting talk today, as we know that our health is not only about not eating sugar and preservatives, and yes, you should uh, like really go give the rest of your Mishloch Manot to the beggars. But we, we also look and we try to focus on mental health and spiritual health, emotional health, because that plays a huge role in regulating our immune system and our overall health. And so today we are going to talk about um, something that is spoken about a lot, but maybe get a, a kind of like a new um, viewpoint on it, and that is the topic of self-esteem and self-worth. More and more, I know that as I am moving through life, I'm realizing that self-worth and self-esteem is so, so very important to proper functioning and for one, having a healthy attitude about oneself and then, you know, by definition, with the world. So we're going to bring on an exciting guest after the break. And we would love you to join the conversation. As always, our SMS line is 34519. Our telegram number 061-895-1019. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. With no further ado, I have pleasure in welcoming Mark Khan to our show. Mark has um, been somebody that I've known for a very, very long time, way, way in the beginning, and we've touched base maybe 20, 30 years later. Mark's major focus is in the field of brain-based psychotherapies, and he helps heal stress, anxiety, depression, grief, trauma, sexual abuse, career issues, identity problems, relationship challenges, and managing conflict and self-esteem uh, challenges. He uses a whole lot of different modalities, one called BWRT, which is brain working recursive therapy, brain spotting, eye movement integration. And of course, he is a clinical psychotherapist with a bachelor of commerce degree and a master's in clinical psychology. So we have somebody that is certainly well-rounded and uh, a very good morning, Mark. Morning, Adele. Lovely to be here. Morning, Mark. Welcome. Thanks for Hi, thanks for joining us. Well, okay, before we start, we, we decided we're going to talk on the subject of self-esteem. Maybe give us a little bit of background um, for our listeners of how you came to, you know, folk, you know, looking around this topic and why it's so important for us to, to be focused on how to build self-esteem. You know, as you ask that question, uh, an interesting memory pops up. 
Professor Jill Straker, an amazing lecturer that I had in my training 40 years ago, had this <clears throat> peanut sticker on her door, cartoon sticker. And one of the kids in the cartoon says, oh, you want to be a psychotherapist? You want to help people? He said, no, I'm just nosy. <laughs> so okay, no. that wasn't my reason for becoming a psychologist <laughs> and getting interested in self-esteem. In fact, for me, it was the opposite. I, I had a miserable self-esteem growing up as a kid. Uh, you know, I would, I would rate my self-esteem as a kid as naught out of 10. I was immensely insecure, vulnerable, sensitive, and I felt that my parents and the schooling that I had just had no skills or ways in which to help me and to deal with this. You know, my parents loved me, but there's a big difference between loving somebody, loving a kid or even your partner, and being able to demonstrate love, having the skills in order to express that love. And this is a problem in our society at multiple levels. You know, there's a wonderful concept created by a guy named Jeff Brown called corrective listening. So often when I see kids now for, for therapy, I'll see them with at least their mother, sometimes with the father for the first session. And at some point I'll say to the parents, so your kid is eight years old and he's going to the dentist for the first time. And he says, mommy, I'm so frightened of the dentist. What do you say? 99% of my parents fail the test. They all respond with corrective listening, which is, don't worry, it'll be fine. Be a big boy, don't cry. It won't last long. We'll have a milkshake afterwards. All of that is just shutting down the pain. So parents don't know how to demonstrate the love, which would be simply, if you want to build self-esteem in a kid, you say to them, oh, that's awful, my sweetie. I know dentists are so scary. Can I hug you? Let me hug you. And I have a, a technique called melting, melting into the love. So then the parent says, Can you, where do you feel the pain in your stomach? And the kids, where do you feel the pain in your body? And the kid says, I feel it in my tummy. Okay, now I'm hugging you. I want you to feel the pain in your tummy. And now can you feel my love inside you? Yes, mommy. Can you feel my love melting away? your pain and your fear. And of course, little kids do this very quickly. Thanks, mommy, I feel better. With adults, of course, you know, we stack up pain, unresolved hurt, and unresolved self-esteem issues. I think majority of the well, time, that would just ba basically mean that the child needs to be heard. And once they're heard and felt, yeah. you know, they see my mommy knows how I'm feeling, that's all that the child actually wanted, had nothing to do with the dentist. Exactly. And can I add one thing to that? It's what we all want. That's what adults want. So when I do couples therapy, what I help couples to do is to learn to develop empathy for each other's pain before they try to solve their problems. Because what couples do is they try to solve their problems when there's no emotional connection. And then the fighting and the war just accentuates the distance. We all need to be heard. We all need our pain, our anxiety, our fears to be listened to. And unfortunately, in our culture, we're not very good at that. We really aren't. Well, within the so, relationship so, also, like without being able to actually hear the other person, is more because of how you feel in the situation. So 
taking that step back and seeing them from a distance obviously makes you a bit more vulnerable, but at least it opens you up to see their, their pain. Yes, and I like your use of the word vulnerability. You know, I'm, I'm working with a couple at the moment. They've got problems, of course. <laughs> Every couple has problems. And when he doesn't hear her, she starts to get very angry. And then she, he gets very calm. And she says to him, stop doing your Buddha thing. Which means, and he's, you know, he's a CEO guy. He's very good at doing Buddha, chilled, chilled calmness. He's very good at that. But what he, what, what I'm helping them to do is I'm helping her to get underneath her anger to her sadness and for him to get under his Buddha calmness to his vulnerability. And so what, what happened in, in this particular session is she got to the sadness under the anger and she said, I feel useless. And then I asked him to go under his calmness and say, what, what's there? And he said, I feel like a failure. And he started to cry and then she hugged him. Mm. So it was his ability to cry that enabled her to love and hug him and the closeness was restored. Would those reactions then be from our like personal history of how we were treated as children? Absolutely. Of course, we all develop different styles of managing it. So in this instance, the wife becomes aggressive. Yes. And the husband becomes, I, I call it spiritual bypassing. Actually, I don't call it that. A guy named John Wellwood called it that. Buddhist psychologist working in England. So he becomes artificially calm. Mm -hmm. Now that's useful in a corporate environment, although not always functional. Correct. There's, there's, there's not enough vulnerability in, in corporate settings, in corporate meetings. You know, even just saying, I'm scared of this deal not happening. So if we link that to self-esteem, people think that if I show vulnerability, it means I'm weak or not okay. And this is part of the conditioning and the way that, that self-esteem is. I, I, I believe we have two kinds of self-esteem. Self-esteem that's real and self-esteem that's conditioned. So there's authentic self-esteem and then there's self-esteem that we only get from the outside. So we're, I, going I, to explore that. we're going to explore that further with Mark Kahn. Do we have authentic self-esteem or conditioned self-esteem would love you to join the conversation at 34519 or our telegram number at 061-895-1019. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. So Mark, we were talking about self-esteem being authentic or conditional. Let's expand on that. Okay, so imagine little Adele is four years old and she does her first drawing of a house and a tree and a hill and she shows it to mom and she's full of what I call original or authentic self-esteem which is mommy look it's look at my drawing wow there's no questioning or con checking to see how good it is that's original self-esteem it's like the sun just shines and mom looks at the picture she said wonderful my darling but um you know, the sun isn't blue. And in that moment, little Adele's self-esteem gets raped. And Carolyn Mace, you know, she's a medical intuitive in America. She had her own TV show. She says the most brilliant thing. She says 100% of people have had their self-esteem raped. When mom says, 
Hmm, the sun isn't blue. What does little Adele do? Oh, 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 oh dear. And then she takes the picture and then she goes and redoes it and redoes it and redoes it. Now her self-esteem has been destroyed. Now she has to produce something to get mom's approval to get this acquired or conditioned self-esteem. And then mom says, wow, that's beautiful. Yes, and the sun's yellow and the, the house and the tree are the right size. You're such a clever little girl. Disaster. Disaster. Because we're focused on clever, brilliant, beautiful, smart, top of the class, which, by the way, is called a fixed mindset. There's a book by Carol Dweck called Growth Mindset. That's D-W-E-C-K. Brilliant. This stuff, you, it really needs to be read. Because... If we go back to self-esteem, little Adele is being taught that she's only worthwhile when the world approves of her. It's acquired self-esteem. So we spend our lives in this acquired self-esteem only feeling good when we're getting approved of. Mm -hmm. So we, we only feel good when we're successful. And of course, it doesn't last long. And my favorite self-esteem story is Michael Phelps. You know Michael Phelps? Yes. Mm -hmm. Famous swimmer. I ask all my clients this question. How many gold medals do you think Michael Phelps has? has? 10, 12, 15. He's got 23 gold medals from wow. Olympic Games. You can Google this. You can YouTube it. Three years ago, Michael Phelps gave a press conference to the world where he told the world that after every one of his four Olympic Games, he was so depressed, he wanted to kill himself. Most of my clients are shocked. I'm not remotely shocked. In fact, I'm saying it's predictable. And I would guess that 60% of our top athletes have problems with depression. Why? They use achievement to make up for the trauma and pain and loss in their childhoods. Phelps has made a big mistake. I mean, it's wonderful that he's come out like this, but he's made a big mistake because he hasn't told us why. And there's no question he's got severe trauma underneath that. But he's not telling us. So he's not helping the people with trauma to understand that. A lot of my clients will say, oh, well, it's the anticlimax of winning the gold medals that makes him suicidal. Winning creates some deflation afterwards, especially if you have a fixed mindset, not a growth mindset. But it doesn't create suicidal thoughts. Oh, look at all these famous Try. actors in the world, actors and actresses, you know, how mm -hmm. they've, they're so huge all over the world and everyone knows about them and they're in the most incredible movies and yeah. they're so depressed. Exactly. I have, yeah, so. I have two questions to ask you, though. The yes. first question is what I'm, I'm hearing you say is that authentic self-esteem is, is something that, that, that is, if you can use the word genetic or inside of you. And, you know, as, as a young kid, you have the love of life and, and you go and explore it and us, us adults are bashing it down, right? And I've heard many times just in parenting, like if you keep on just building up the self-esteem of a child, let's take that the son thing again, all right? Yeah. Now let's just, the mother wants to correct the child's perception. The son isn't blue, right? Yes. How would a mother go around to say to the child, it isn't blue without bashing down the self-esteem. It could be that the mother was just in a loving way trying to tell the kid, yes, sweetie, that's beautiful. Just know the sun isn't blue, it's yellow. You know, because you, you're wanting to 
teach kids right from wrong or good information from bad information. So where's that line between just always praising your kid, you know, that's beautiful and it's wonderful and, you know, your self-esteem's coming out and you think it's blue, then kind of like the kid would grow up with like with some like false, you know, sense of the world because all you've done is you didn't want to smash their self-esteem. You, do you understand what I'm saying? So, yes, it's a beautiful question. Perfect question. So what you do is, firstly, the, the way you said it was much better than, you know, the sun isn't blue, which the, my tone of voice and my face and my mouth has got the criticism in it. And you said it, well, actually, you know, the sun isn't blue. Do you know what color it is? But before you do that, and here we go back to the growth mindset work. Let me explain a piece of research Carol Dweck did, and then I'll answer your question in response to that research. They had two groups of kids. They both had to do a task and they got marked on it, scored, and then they had to send their results to other kids. The one group was told, you're brilliant. The other group, that's fixed mindset. The other group was told, you worked really hard. That's growth mindset, which focuses on the process, the journey, the effort, the struggle, the learning from mistakes, not the result not your genius or your talent. So after they'd sent the results to the kids, they looked at what they had sent. The kids who were told they were brilliant lied about their results. And the kids who were told you worked hard didn't lie. She says a lovely thing, Carol Dweck. She says, we told kids they're smart and we turned them into liars. Mm -hmm. So going back to your question, what you say to a kid is, wow, that's, that's a lovely drawing. What did it feel like to do the drawing? Do you love the colors? Which colors best? Did you, how, what, did it, what did it feel like drawing the house and the tree? Do you prefer the house or the tree? You know, the house is a lovely color, but actually, did you know that the sun is really yellow? Mm. So you're praising the process. So I often say when, when, when we're taught to read at school, or write. We shouldn't be told, you're such a good reader. That's fixed mindset. The result is all that counts. If you're such a good reader, the kid is now waiting to be told, you're a crap reader. You can't read. Why are you stuttering? Why are you anxious? So what you say to a kid when they're reading is, can you feel the magic of language while you read? There's somebody else in a faraway place who wrote this book and they printed it, and you're reading these words, and you're learning to read. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it magical and amazing? Isn't the mind incredible? So you're focusing on the energy inside of the doing and the living, rather than you're so clever or stupid or beautiful or ugly. And that keeps a child growing into adulthood in original self-esteem. So when you tell me I'm an idiot, I'll say, yeah, sometimes I am. That's true. It's not a problem. Okay. So so the kid has the authentic self-esteem. Yes. Um, um, and by just virtue of us not understanding all of this and not having the skills, we grow up with damaged self-esteem. We, we're looking at conditional self-esteem. And then all our behavior in adult life is going um, is really underlying it. It's focusing on trying to get my self-esteem back intact. So now I'm an adult yeah. and, and I'm damaged. 
right? I've been I've been bashed down, you know, by being called clever or whatever it is or not clever. And I've been like running my whole life trying to prove to everybody that I'm clever. How does an adult now correct that that incorrect messaging that they received as, as a child? Well, they read a million self-help books, which, most, <laughs> which mostly don't help. Yeah. <laughs> I ask all my clients, I say, what have you done to help to fix this? I've read a lot of books. Did they help? Nope. They don't help. Why? Because, you know, if you look at the brain in the simplified form, you've got the neocortex on top. Then in the middle of the brain, you've got the limbic system, all the sadness, hurt, pain, love. And then right down where the brain connects to the spinal cord is called the brainstem or the reptilian brain. All of our trauma is stored in the reptilian complex, which is the brainstem and the limbic system. That's why when you say to somebody, you know, you're so fabulous. It's meaningless. It slips off like Teflon on a pan. The pain is trapped inside. So that's why, you know, you mentioned the brain-based therapies that I use. I've been a psychologist forever, but in the last five, six years, I've learned a lot of these therapies that work deeper into the reptilian complex. So it's not just dialoguing from the neocortex, the thinking part. That can be useful. Some of that does leak into the limbic system in the middle of the brain where a lot of the pain is stored. Very hard to get to the reptilian complex where the pain is stored. And that's where our damaged self-esteem resides. So we need to go there in order to heal it. And How do you go there? What, what therapy do you use? So uh, probably my favorite brain-based therapy is brain spotting, created by a guy named David Grant. Brain spotting, created by David Grant. Brain spotting is the most extraordinary therapy. So everyone holds stress, pain, and joy in a particular eye position that's linked to where the eyes go into the brain because the eyes are an extension of the brain. So you just notice when people talk about something that upsets them, their eyes will go fixed on a particular spot and they may then go to another particular spot. And then I take out my brain spotting pointer and I hold the pointer and the person looks at the spot and then we work somatically from the Greek word soma for body. We work in the body. So I say to them, where can you feel the anxiety in your body? I can, my chest is tight. So now I say, just watch the tightness in your chest without trying to figure it out, not trying to understand it or fix it or make it better. Just watching and tell me as it changes. And it's amazing therapy. They will, they will start to say, Oh, I'm remembering when I was 14 and I was bullied at school. Okay, can you just stay with what's happening in the body and with those images and pictures? And they'll sit with him. I worked with a little kid. He was eight years old. His father had left home. I'm doing the brain spotting. He's looking at the point. He says, all of the sad feelings are flying out of my heart, which... It's the most amazing description of what this therapy does. Of course, the same thing happens with adults, but they would never phrase it that way because they've got the sophisticated neocortex on top that senses that. 
And brain spotting is an amazing way to work with stress and trauma and self-esteem. And what, what's fascinating is this. Much of the time when I do brain spotting, let's say we start off with, oh, I'm useless. And they're stuck up there and then we put the pointer up to the top left. And they feel feelings of uselessness and they may, maybe they picture their mother or a school teacher there. Maybe some words come out. And then after 10, maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, suddenly they'll say, wow, I'm not useless. I'll say, what are you? They'll say, I'm special. So we access that original self-esteem spontaneously. And then what I, so many of my clients, I will say to them, have you ever done affirmations? Now I did affirmations years, decades ago. I was building a house my ex-wife, north of Joburg. I used to drive there three times a week to watch the building. And I would say to myself, I put this to music. I approve, I approve, I approve of myself. I approve, I approve, I approve of myself. It had zero impact. Because the affirmations are, is the neocortex trying to talk to the reptilian complex. You can't tell a crocodile, which is only a reptilian complex. There's no neocortex. You can't tell a crocodile not to eat the baby buck. You can't tell yourself, you really, you look in the mirror, I'm really special, I'm beautiful, meanwhile I'm ugly, I'm ugly. So what we're doing here is we're working, we're making space for the I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm stupid, I'm a failure. We make space for that. With the brain spotting, we release it. And so often what spontaneously comes up is, Wow, I am special. I am okay. Dad's the idiot. And then sometimes I will use clinical hypnotherapy to deepen that kind of process. You know, most people see hypnosis like it's the stage show guy. Yeah, that is hypnosis, but it's not clinical. And people go up on stage because they want to jump around like monkeys. So in clinical hypnosis, we're just helping to deepen the sense of I'm okay. I'm enough. You know, there was the most, the reason I wasn't, just one more thing about Michael Phelps. The reason I wasn't shocked is 35 years ago, there was a movie, Cool Runnings. I don't know if you, what most people have watched it. The Jamaican bobsled team goes to the Winter Olympics in Calgary in 1988. So it's a lovely story because, I mean, Jamaica ain't got much snow. And the coaches discovered that the coach of the Jamaicans had cheated 16 years previously. He had two gold medals and cheated in his third Olympics. And the Jamaican guy says, coach. Why did you cheat? This is a big controversy about they discovered this. Coach, you had two gold medals. Why did you have to cheat? And here's the most brilliant self-esteem line you'll ever get. He says, a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but you're not if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And that's this is yeah, that's it. This that's it. is 101.9 High FM. Join our conversation. We're talking about self-esteem and how to build authentic self-esteem. We'll be back shortly. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We're talking to Mark Kahn, a clinical psychologist who focuses a lot on self-esteem. Mark, so... What would you be saying is more effective at building self-esteem? Is it behavioral change or internal emotional work? 
Both. You know, a lot of the uh, behaviorists will say to you that self-esteem comes from performance accomplishments. When we do well, we feel better. Well, sometimes. Look at Michael Phelps, 23 gold medals, greatest Olympian in history, who wants to commit suicide. The problem with getting self-esteem from performance and accomplishments is it's acquired. So although it can lift one out of severe sense of helplessness, it's, it's often very temporary. So you do well and you feel great, and now what's next? And you do well and you feel great, and what's next? Which is why the growth mindset stuff is wonderful. Focus on the growing, the striving, the learning. And, and by the way, there is, there's an amazing guy named Andrew Huberman, H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N. He is a professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology at Stanford. I have to think really hard to be able to get that, that right. He, he has podcasts on YouTube where he's looked at the science of what's going on in the brain chemistry when we're looking at things like self-esteem and achievement. Can I share with you one of the most amazing findings from him, of his? Go ahead. So, you know, everyone knows about dopamine. You know, you're on your phone and you're, you're chatting and you're getting a dopamine hit and then you want to go overseas and you want to party out here and you want a new car and a promotion. And we get dopamine hits from achieving, from achieving a goal. What his research shows is that when you're focusing only on the goal, while you're doing the task and struggling with it and resenting it, your dopamine is going down. And all the time it goes down, it means your baseline of dopamine, the, the, the amount of dopamine that you have overall in your system is dropping. Then you get the achievement, the promotion, the, the first score, the gold medal, whatever it is, and you have a big dopamine hit. But the dopamine hit isn't going to last because you don't have a reserve of dopamine sitting in your system. You've got a very low baseline to draw on. So you crash. Now you look for the next goal and you're struggling and hating and resenting and looking for the goal. And then you have it and you have a bit of a hit and you crash. And so in fact, we are all bipolar, not necessarily clinically, but actually in terms of what's happening to our dopamine, high crash, high crash. We're, we're addicted to that and lowering our dopamine level. So here's Huberman's answer. And it's linked to the growth mindset. And I learned from him about growth mindset, Carol Dweck work. What you do is you focus on the striving and try to learn to get pleasure. And it's not easy, this. You learn to get pleasure from the struggle and the pain and the striving. Now, people are good at that when they're in the gym. You know, you're lifting weights and you're straining and your biceps are hurting. And you know that the pain in your biceps is building your biceps. You break down muscle to build it. So you feel the pleasure. It's, it's so fascinating that people are good at doing that around the gym. They're not good at doing it in their relationships. So I teach couples to build empathy, be vulnerable, develop closeness, then express the needs skillfully, and then problem solve. 
If you don't do the empathy first and build closeness, you cannot problem solve. It's just not going to happen. But people don't want to do the work. They just want love. They want to be close and they want fulfillment, but they don't want to pay the price of having to work at being vulnerable in order to share empathy and create closeness. That's how you build dopamine. But you do, can do it in your job, whatever the difficult aspects of your job, or you're bringing up your kids, whatever it might be. So really, I think, in other words, if I'm hearing you right, um, it's all about the the process of being present in the present, like enjoying the ride, like the journey is the destination. It's not, you know, a, a means to an end, but it is the means itself that is going to help you. And I, I, th I think that that's like something that it's really, really hard to focus on, you know? Well, you know, it's so interesting you bring that up because you, you're spot on in quoting that. But when people say it's the journey, not the destination, they don't tell us how to do it. One of the ways to do it is to get pleasure from the striving, the effort and the struggle and to let go of the goal. And here's the other thing Huberman says. Celebrate achievement one in every five or ten times. Because celebrate, we, we're addicted to celebration. Mm. Let's have champagne, chocolate, you know, this is what we, dinner, go out, have a holiday. Enjoy it, but don't over-celebrate it because you will crash. Then you will struggle and resent all the effort. Lower your baseline, get manic, excited, crash again. So that's how you learn to appreciate the journey. Enjoy the learning, the moment. You, you know, a friend of mine, Jeannie Cavett, she's a wonderful psychologist. She has the most beautiful analogy. You know when they paint these bridges in cities, like the Sydney Harbour Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge? They start painting one end, and it takes so long that when they get to the end, they go back to the beginning. So you can't, you daren't focus on oh, God, I can't wait to finish painting the bridge because you start again and then you'll get depressed. So what you have to focus on is the brush strokes and the sunshine and the view and the, the experience of being there with your mates you're painting with. And that's I, 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 I think that's unbelievably powerful. You know, I, um, I took up the habit of journaling um, about two years ago. So every every night I sit and I, you know, put together whatever thoughts. And uh, we went away last week as, as, as a family, extended family, myself, my kids, my grandkids. There was a whole horde of us going. And um, I, I, I was tasked with all the preparations, the minute, you know, make sure you bring, bring the salt and the meat and make sure that, you know, there's, there's hot water and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, reflecting back on our weekend away, I actually saw that it was it was in those moments, even though... You wouldn't say it was pleasurable putting in a meat order or, you know, worrying of that you've got Himalayan salt or whatever have you. But when it all came together, it allowed for 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 a lot of a lot of pleasure because there was there was presence in the details. You know, kind of like the lesson I learned is that be present in what's happening every single day. You sometimes you even lose sight of the bigger picture, but you'll know that when you look back at an experience, you'll say, Geez, it was all this time that I put in all these small things, all the small efforts that actually culminated 
in what it is that I was uh, achieving. And some, sometimes, as you correctly said, it, it's painful, you know. This, I forgot this and I didn't do this or whatever have you, but it adds to it. And I think, I think that's the biggest sickness today is that we're not, we're not present right now in doing what we're doing right now. We're always just thinking of how am I going to get to the end and what's the quickest way? Yeah. I think it talks to health as well. Health isn't about, oh, I'm sick, so suddenly just take the tablet and hope that it goes away. Health is every single day making a conscious effort to eat properly, to take your vitamins, to get your sunshine, to, to do your exercise, to do your meditation. Those things all add up and be present in that. And then, you know, if you do hit a, a net or something down the road, the payback will be huge. So you've inspired a lot of thoughts around that. Yes, you're right. We struggle to be in the now, but there's a very important codicil here. If you have an immense amount of trauma, you are not going to be able to be in the now because your trauma intrudes on what's happening in the present. So, you know, you get books like The Power of Now. There's a lot of lovely stuff in Eckhart Tolle's book, but people cannot get into the now when their system is running on past trauma. There's a lovely trauma expression which says the body remembers everything. So if we, if, if, if something you said, let's say I was physically abused as a kid. I mean, I got beaten by the headmaster a few times, which was abuse, but I've worked on that and I'm okay. Let's say you said something now that evoked that unresolved trauma Suddenly, I can't listen to you. I cannot be in the now. I cannot do the growth mindset work or the Huberman work. I cannot work on being present and raise my dopamine now because that trauma needs resolving. And there you need a therapist to help you. I mean, you, to resolve trauma on one's own is extremely difficult. Very, very difficult. The other thing is about health. You know, when you talk about doing your vitamins, I noticed you both drinking stuff and taking supplements. like and so on. It's wonderful. But you know, most people don't want to do that work. I used to be very anti-pharmacology, you know, the big pharma. Um, they do amazing things. You know, if you have a heart attack, you've got a broken leg or a kidney disaster, you want to see, go to the hospital. But most people don't want to do the work in order to make themselves healthy physically, mentally, and emotionally, because it's tough. And also, you know, some people just aren't wired for it. And that's okay. You know, I, why, do I, why did I become a psychologist? Because I wanted to heal myself. And the concept's fascinating for me. And I love to help people. There's, there's men and women out there who have no interest in that. They don't want to learn to be empathic. They haven't got an empathic bone in their body. It's too threatening to be empathic and vulnerable. So... Take a Prozac. That's okay. Thank God there's Prozac for people like that. I think once people understand that the, that the work, you know, increases their dopamine, they'd be more interested. Well, yeah. yeah, it does. We have to unfortunately cut the convo short. It's just been absolutely fascinating. And I think, again, um, this is an added dimension to being healthy. You know, like to, to, to have the guts to look inside and say, what can I do to help myself 
to be a better person and certainly self-esteem um, is one of them. And Mark, thank you so much. You have certainly enlightened me and I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of, of Faggy as well and on behalf of our listeners. Thank you for your valuable, valuable time today. And uh, maybe we'll be able to schedule another uh, an, another chat, you know, to continue this this. this, this discussion because I think um, there's a lot to be said around it. So thank you again. It's a pleasure. I mean, it's this is the stuff that that evokes my spontaneous sunshining esteem. I love these concepts. Your, your sunshine is yellow, Mark. It's yellow. Before we go, how, if people would like to get hold of you, how can they? Best is to WhatsApp me on 082-454-9564. Thank you again. Everybody have a super duper sunshine day and for the rest of the week. This is 101.9 High FM.